<laughs> no, that's fine. I had one of those uh, like anal bead tripods. You know what I'm talking anal about? Anal bead tripods. I, I know exactly you which know one exactly you're talking about. Me, right? The sad, yeah. sadly, I know. Yeah. They've got like round joints. Yeah, I do not know. Just you you wouldn't know if you saw it. Okay. Um, Something to look, look into. Connections even good enough. If it is, we'll prop it up here. I think it should be there. Um, okay, so I'm doing the guiltless podcast for whoever tunes in. I don't know if uh, if Instagram will allow me to post this live later, but there's beer. Dogs, people, uh, recording equipment, wine, and then Indiana Jones. Uh, <laughs> yeah. India. Temple of in Doom. In the background. Temple of Doom. So we can kick it off whenever you guys want. Let me get the mic, though. All right. Let's, let's roll. All righty. Um, well, thanks for coming. Did you know, by the way, that you're headlining our show? I, I didn't know you I didn't? was headlining it, but I yeah. guess I am now. Yeah, and, and by the way, everybody speaks very highly of you. If oh, you want, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Raj. My last name is Suresh. I moved to Cleveland, what, eight months ago? Nah, nine that's months, it? Nine months ago? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I made a, I made a very good decision. From? Here. From Arkansas. Um, okay. Oh, kind of, why would you do that? I, I honestly <laughs> liked Arkansas. So I've lived in five different cities um, across the U.S. in like the last five years, and Arkansas is my favorite. Which is like Bentonville, Arkansas, to be specific. So you were, you grew up there? Mm-mm. Okay. So I'm Indian, okay. born in India, grew up in the Middle East, came here at 17 for college. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I've been all over the place. So where in the Middle East? Bahrain, if you're familiar. It's tiny. I've it's heard of Bahrain. Small, it's a tiny, tiny, it's like the size of like Northeastern Ohio. Okay. It's not much bigger than that. Okay. Um, and really it's like only important cause they refine Saudi oil. And so there's a lot of banking and stuff out there and it's really, it's beautiful. Yeah. If I could ever live anywhere on earth, it'd be that. So how old are you? If um, you don't mind. I'm, I'm not, well, that's the, people have been telling me once you shave your head, you're 30 for life, right? Like I, I, that joke I like stage. it. Yeah. If you're 50 or you're 18 with a shaved head, 30. Okay. Uh, so I'm 29 now. And like, people will keep telling me like, you're almost 30. Like it's a death sentence. And, <laughs> Like, dude, I, I'm bald with a beard and bad knees. Like, I already know what 48 feels like. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can't scare me. Well, uh, you're already doing them, Brian. And not to cut down on, on Brian Sternick. That's all we do Brian, now. Brian Sternick? The, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. He, because you clearly shaved your head recently or today. Yeah, I shaved my head today. Brian does, I believe, every quarter. Yeah. Brian, I, I don't think he's, he's ever shaved his head. He he says that he does, but he says he literally does like what monthly? Once a month. Once a month. Yeah. You know you know those shows where they like make over somebody, they're like yeah. second chance or whatever. Like Brian's the before picture. And yeah. then <laughs> the like give they give him a beard and shave his head. Brian turns the into me, little suntan. <laughs> they, they, they take all the debt away. <laughs> they give him a they shirt give, with they a give collar. Him a car, some manners. They take yeah. all the debt brush away. Brush his teeth. They pay off his old Navy <laughs> debit card. Yeah. Oh, man. That's so funny. It's well, I have a Gap credit card, so I can't even shit on that. It's part of the same family of brands. <laughs> okay. So you um, you lived over half your life in a foreign yeah. country. Yeah, yeah, You come to the United States for school. Immediately depressed. Okay. I'm kidding. Not okay. <laughs> After like three years of being in the U.S., I was pretty... Yeah, I was down there in the dumps. I was going to say, how long did it take for, for, like, for it to just like sink in that you had made that giant step? Uh, I mean, I moved like I moved a lot though. I moved at three, and then I didn't move until I was f- fourteen. Went to boarding school in India. And it was run by a bunch of military dudes, mm-hmm. and then came here for college. But it was a solid like three years before I kind of was like, man, like I'm. It was when my when I went home and folks were like, hey, your accent changed. That was I think the first time I was like, okay, I'm, oh, I've really? been here a while. 
What's a, so you moved over from the Middle East. What was the first place you moved here in the States? Uh, Penn State Penn for St- college, yeah. Okay. So oh, you, you Central. picked Penn State as your university. Yeah. Well, really, Cornell didn't pick me as a candidate. So okay. <laughs> I just I went to the next best thing I could get into. So you're obviously a very bright guy. I tried. Well, no, not even necessarily. It's just the 70, I had $75. That was, I could pay the application fee. For Cornell. Yeah. And you were like, I'm going to Cornell. Well, my cousin was like, we're going to, we're going to send some, he's older than me. Okay. And he's like, I'm going to help you out with some applications and okay. stuff. I'm going to fire it off to some places. I was like, all right, do it. Yeah. So he sent some to the UK, some to Singapore, and then some to the US. Mm-hmm. And then I was just, I wanted to study business and this seemed like a good place to do it. So yeah, I came over here. Okay. I can already see exactly how you landed in being a comedian. Why? I can't at all. Oh. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was because he, I just, he uh, went to Penn State. I went there. I, I started out there as a finance major. Okay. And the GPA requirement is a 3-4. So by the end of my first semester, I was like, can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I switched to accounting, which is a 3-3. Then I did an accounting internship that summer. Fucking hated it. Okay. Um, it was not my, not my speed. Um, so I scrapped out of that and then marketing, I think was like a 3.1. It was the only business major I qualified for. Okay. So I was like, all right, I'll do that. And I'll double major in in PR advertising. And, and so I started along that path and then right near the end of school, I graduated, I had a job offer and I was graduating early or I could have spent six more months and, uh, gotten my degree and like gotten the double major, but I just never finished it. Okay. So I, I, you know, you got a job offer, you have a degree. Why why would you pay a university? Six more months of totally tuition. just because yeah. they want you to right to say you have two degrees that doesn't and it's not going to get you anywhere anyway like that you know like that so wait was it business was it finance would you end up graduating the degree with it was a marketing degree oh marketing yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry in I, the yeah. end um, so it was he couldn't get into business I it was almost, too I mean difficult. it was by the skin of my teeth really because you have to score like an eighty five on that on math basic mm-hmm. and I scored like an eighty six after dropping that class twice. Oh, so it was, yeah, it was really, mm. but the thing though is like, even though I didn't do, I don't think I'm a good, um, academic student, mm-hmm. but like the things I was doing outside the classroom and learning, they kind of laid the bedrock for why I think if I'm, if I have any efficacy in like comedy promotion or business now is because of all the things I did there. So yeah, I ran sure. like a little business and it was essentially like an event planning service. Okay. Because all me and all my friends, so I'm brown, most of my friends were black, like we couldn't get into frats to save our lives. Um, there's really nowhere you could go as a minority that will allow you to openly party on the Penn State campus, which is insanity. That's shocking to hear, actually. And yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm being dead serious. Yeah. Like, that's so shocking. If, Especially I mean, because this wasn't that long yeah. ago. This like, is not even, I don't know, eight years. Maybe a little more than that. So we're pretty deep into the year in 2010, 2011. (laughs) But you'd be surprised. Not 1963. (laughs) It's not open racism. What it is, what most racism is, is very subtle. It's just, well, do you know someone in here? And then you're watching this line of people stream in, and the same question isn't being asked. Yeah. It's the same thing as a a random search by the TSA. Like there is a definite racial component that triggers a question that starts the safety net you out. Okay. Yeah. So have you ever had that happen to you? Oh, yeah. Really? What random searches? Yeah, like almost. Do you say specifically, dude? I went to. I was in Tampa visiting my buddy like two weeks ago, and um, we went to the Rays game, okay. and I got randomly searched at the Tampa Bay Rays a, security. And there's nobody at that game, I'm assuming. Yeah, and they they bomb check all the cars that come in, so they okay. like shine a mirror underneath to see. And I'm like, this is the wrong place. Like, you should be doing this like 400 yards away from right. the stadium, not at the gate. Yeah. <laughs> 
where everybody's like queuing yeah. up to get in. It's too late now. Yeah. <laughs> and so we go over to the thing and uh, for whatever reason, I beep and he's like, is that your belt? I was like, I think so. And he's like, well, step aside. I got to search. And then he did, and I, I just thought it was weird. I was like, this Wait, is... your belt beeped? Like, yeah. what, your phone was on it? Or... No, like, my belt buckle was metal. So you go through a metal oh, detector. Oh, okay, it beeped after you went through the metal yeah, detector. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so that was an interesting experience. I've, I've never had a worse security screening than Frankfurt Airport. Like, it's like, you walk in, and they hate you okay. immediately. They're just like, yeah. <laughs> so I got pulled up by a, a burly German man. Okay. Just wasn't having a good day, you know? He had, like, whatever side of him was, like, part Viking came up. <laughs> Ready to <laughs> the rape or the pillager that came what, through. <laughs> I don't. There was one point where like, so you take you take all the metal off your body and like you know he's he pats you down like and I just asked I was like can I put my belt back on he's like no no you can't I was like why are you all right this seems this is a weird sexual encounter. <laughs> but that's and you and I've talked about this taking your belt off in public. Is, oh yeah. is very awkward for me. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Cause I'm, cause I'm. You gotta hold it. You gotta hold I'm, your I'm, shit with one hand. Yeah. Hold up your shit with the it's other. It's just I'm in. Everyone, a, I'm, in a, I'm in a room with hands. a lot of people, and I'm <laughs> taking my belt off, and everyone's like, even though I know that everyone knows I'm not disrobing. Right. I don't ever, know. It still feels weird. Ever tell you about the time I went? Uh, I went and visited a client, and um, we all we all had a meeting that day, and we were catching a flight. Right. And I hate flying in a suit and tie. I hate it. So everybody was doing the like, hey, I'm going to change in the bathroom thing, right? So everyone's doing that. There's probably eight of us standing in the lobby, and everyone's just taking turns going in and out of the restroom to change. And I'm standing there, and I'm talking to everybody, and I'm doing my tie, blue, no big deal. Uh, unbutton my you know, cuffs, no big deal. I'm just sitting there talking. I'm unbuttoning my shirt. I have a T-shirt on underneath, right? right. And, I'm, and I'm thinking about this stuff. Like, the more, like, if I can just get, like, all this stuff off, right. like, it'll be a breeze when I get in there, just my shoes and pants, and I'm out. Right. So the next thing I hear, sir, sir, stop what you're doing, sir. <laughs> like, like, the guy who was running the desk was, like, concerned that I was going to start just taking all my clothes off. <laughs> so we just kind of looked at each other. He looks at me with this, like, look on his face, like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, I'm looking at him with the same look. What the hell's the problem? Right, yeah. <laughs> but I get what he was all upset about. I get the thing that we're, so when you guys use a urinal, right? Mm. Have you ever encountered, first of all, I don't know why they stop, like they build a, sometimes they have like a little piece of wood on each side. Right? Barrier, yeah. They're like, let's stop where the eyes are. Like, that, that's, <laughs> let's make sure, you know, that makes no sense. If you don't want me to see Because you can't anything, get all the way in there. Yeah, it's like, dude, if you're trying to, like, you know, make a horse not see something, you don't cover its front legs. You cover its eyes. I don't know how that happened with humans. They're like, let's just stop here. And then the second thing is, like, I don't know what this... uh, This is an exclusively old white dude thing. Okay. They'll always, like, take a little little look over and just, like, nod to themselves. No. Dude, that happens to me so much. It's gotten to the point where I just, when I see it coming, I'll look him dead in the eyes. And just be like, all right, it's gonna be, you're either going to do this, like, first we're going to lock eyes, and then you're going to still do it, but I'm not going to let you sneak a peek. Like, that's just not how, that's a weird, that's a weird thing I, about I America. Can, I can honestly tell you that has never happened to me. But I, mean, I he's not intimidated by you racially. Oh, that's, that's what, that, what you're that saying. Look, that look over <laughs> is to, like, validate. Oh, like, now I got uh, you. Am I in like, the league? Yeah, they probably step up. It's like hey, it's a white guy. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to like check and make I've sure. I've seen that before. I I <laughs> have read myth. plenty of like you know like 
they'll somebody will do an article like what do, what do people think when they come to America when they see Americans like almost always there's yeah. like why is there not more privacy in your bathrooms dude why are high school kids shower like did we run out of wood you need a gang shower for what <laughs> it builds yeah. camaraderie no it builds yeah. assault allegations like this none of this is a smart move it's so true i don't know where like i literally don't understand what that it doesn't happen it's never happened in any other country i've lived in where there's just like a communal you shower a stall just yeah. like you do it like the planet fitness you know <laughs> i don't know what what that's about but I think that's, uh, I don't know. You guys have to explain that to me. I didn't go to high school. I, I can't. Dude, I can't. I just thought about it now. Yeah. I already lived through it, and I guess it's okay. But, uh, yeah, when you think of, yeah, I mean, when, uh, what was it, like, probably ninth grade, when you had to kind of, yeah. like, doing, like, team showers yeah. and everything like that. Yeah, you just kind of walk in there, and you're like, fuck. And then you walk in there, and then someone else walks in behind you. No one wants to be the first one to lose that towel and start acting casually like you're not all showering naked together. Right. But Even that is, like, okay. Like now, I went to the um, I went to this gym like right near me. It's the the Cleveland Clinic has their own gym or whatever, right? So I did a trial run there because they have like a steam room and stuff. The worst shit is going inside that steam room, and then suddenly like some sixty five year old extra tanned Italian man is just like, open this towel up and he wants to have a long conversation. With you. <laughs> I don't know what for. You do get to they you you get to a certain age where gym like in the gym you just don't you stop giving a shit. Like guys who love to air dry at the gym, they just like yeah, walk yeah, around yeah. having like having just lengthy conversations with no clothes on, That's and like de- and like conversations that like a conversation you think they'd be having like in a boardroom. Like, see the yeah. reason that that didn't work, the percentages were too high. And right. like, you guys, yeah, but this is that you can't fucking I can't have a conversation about the stock market while your dick is out, and then I'm making all these Freudian <laughs> slips going cock market shit like that. Yeah, like, exactly. I then I look stupid, and I get it. Everyone's like, don't be so insecure or whatever. I just, I think I grew up in a culture where everyone, like, to some degree, everyone's more modest, uh, or I guess, I don't know what, I don't know what that's about, man. Well, Victorian prudence hold over from the colonial days. For that's us. actually super interesting because I, you hear all the time that in America we're prudes. Like, really? yeah, because, well, terms, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, advertisements, what's on TV, like movies. If you, yeah. And like, there's just people walking around naked all the time and nobody gives, nobody cares. Yeah. Like here they're like. America's like hypersexualized, I'd say. I think it's hypersexualized, not in the uh, in the examples like the the commercials and the movies, because that that is something like even actors have gone on kind of record saying like I don't understand, you know, the obsession with America to to censor some of the sex scenes because like in other countries like yeah. like France, obviously, you know, it's just it's not that big a deal. Uh, but then yeah, hypersexualizing others like. I mean, online, Instagram, Twitter. I mean, it's yeah. th- that's all it is. There are people whose entire Instagram is just pictures of their butt, and I gotta tell, it's super that's, that's hard mine. to follow. It's Raj does comedy. That's what yours. It's not. I've been it's there. Not. I've been there. That's why <laughs> I unfollowed him. It was like one butt pic. Um, I don't know, man. India, we there is some of that because you go to you go to like Indian temples and stuff, right? Like we wrote the Kama Sutra. There's pictures of um, apsaras, which are like I don't know, like heavenly. Like angels, essentially, mm-hmm. and like wh- whatever these depictions are, like men, women, everyone's kind of mostly naked, which makes sense because India's like 110 degrees right. year round. Yeah. And then the British showed up and we're like, you know what we should do? Cover everything up, wear suits. <laughs> like, let's just be hot underneath this, chest down. <laughs> so I don't know. 110, I don't know. give everybody a robe. The French interest me a lot because, well, we see this all the time, right? Where like Americans will be like, well, look what they're doing in Europe. It's so great. But it's like we forget that those people. 
did a lot of mm-hmm. murder to be able to just afford this lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> like, how are y'all paying for everything all the time? Oh, 300 years of Viking pillaging. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, but we forgot about that. It's wind turbines now. Right. I remember. I read books that you didn't write. <laughs> Uh, did you? Is there still a lot of English influence in India? Or I'd say so. Yeah, well, I didn't know like, how much of that. Like was... language-wise, or uh, well, like culture, British. culture, or language. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no better example of like you know, I'll get challenged from time to time on my stand-up, with regard to some of the jokes I make. Um, I'll meet people who are trying to be incredibly woke or whatever just like very aware of everything all the time and they always come over and express this like pseudo empathy like i understand your struggle it must be real bad i'm okay like i'm part of i'm part of what i would call the one percent of my country okay um because i can afford to be in america could afford a college education here but there is there's more upward social mobility there i just think i don't know i get challenged uh a lot but there's no better example of how deep-rooted my oppression is than the fact that I have to explain it to somebody in their language because they can't speak mine. Oh yeah. So like when yeah. they try to tell me like, well, you're a man, it's not that bad. I get it, but I'm also literally speaking Your the language. language of my oppressor. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like, dude, you keep looking back and you will just, I understand personally, if I just kept looking back at how bad we had it, which I think I do that a lot. Yeah. I kind of have like that, OCD track where I just focus in on one thing forever, uh, but I don't write good jokes about it. We don't move the culture forward any. Yeah. Like just whining about it, useless. This last month, I went and invested uh, a bunch of like extra cash in a chai company in New York City because Indian people own it. Okay. So like that to me is better than writing like you know a Vice article. Yeah, Joe actually like like that um, ultra like woke being sensitive to everything drives you nuts i just don't like it because of what he just said like the people that that will whatever complain a lot or do this or do that protest all these things those are also the people that will only do that and are only doing it to say that they did that but they won't actually do something like vote like they won't won't do something that'll actually maybe kind of actually invoke some actual kind of change you know, I don't the, mind uh, the protest. Like, the protest I, is an act of something, you know? Yeah, I, I, I don't mind it either, and, and I think everyone should do it. I, I think that, um, but then, and you see this all the time whenever they'll, they'll, they'll pull someone aside. You can do this on either side of the spectrum, whichever one you're doing. You can ask them a question about what they're doing. Most of them don't know. Hmm. Like, you'll ask them a question like, well, what do you think you're protesting because of this? And, and on either side, the, the, I've, I've seen both of these. I've seen one where they go to the streets of New York and ask about Trump, and I've seen where they go into the deep south and ask about Obama or something like that. Neither one of them right. have any yeah. idea. Yeah, the extremes are not. They, they yeah, don't have any the idea <laughs> about why they like or dislike the candidate that they're talking about, but they already know that that's the way that I'm going. Right. The, the, my favorite one is where they'll say, do you not like him because of this policy? And like, exactly. Like, well, it's that guy's policy, so you just said that you agreed with something that – you didn't like about this person. I said, that's the thing that I don't like. I don't like the the posturing of being, if you want to say woke, but they're not actually doing anything about it. It's just, it's pseudo intelligence. And I'm, I think what makes me wary about stuff like this is like, who's in charge of it. And I don't, I don't like the idea of extremely rich people or people who perceive themselves to be more intelligent or people who just are not willing to take the risk to be, admit they're wrong about mm-hmm. shit like that. Dude, I lived in Arkansas for five years. There were plenty of people that came to my shows that voted for Trump. There were also good people, which is weird because you view that 
essentially they would not want someone like me in this country, but they're also enjoying my comedy. And I'm also, you know, making a couple bucks off of it. So I guess we're all hypocrites. Yeah. And I try to reemphasize this at shows, but like getting deep rooted into uh, political camps is a dangerous way. To, it is the norm of what America is, two party system. But when you start treating people like they are the party they voted for with everything, you will either never convert them or befriend yeah. them, and that's almost worse than losing. You've also eliminated at that point half the people that you can really communicate with. Right. Yeah, and I, I just literally had this conversation with somebody yesterday about that very thing, talking about how it's a how it's a two party system. Patrick, you have to fit into one of these one of these groups. No, I don't have to. Right. Like that's the that's the beauty of it. Like you don't have to conform if you don't want to. Right. That's one of the great things that this country offers you. Unfortunately, we don't have another party outside of those two parties right. that are strong enough to, to you know, get, a, yeah, get a lot of dissension. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a registered libertarian. I don't vote Republican. Mm -hmm. I don't vote Democrat because there are, to your point, there are things on both sides that I disagree with right. completely. Right. Not even like just a little bit. You What's, know what I mean? Like that's the funniest thing is like people who've watched my stand-up will be like, well, you encourage – Republicans, or you encourage racists by making normalizing these race jokes, yada yada. And I'm like, dude, like, I can't vote in your election, so I'm going to do whatever it takes to elevate myself as a stand up. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't be invested politically in a process where I can't even be a citizen for another 20 years, right? So you can't even participate yeah. in the process, right? Itself. So yeah. I'm not going to get upset or dragged down into this beef of like, oh, like your content does this, right? Dude, how about you know. How about we recognize that stand-up takes 20 years to get really good, and even then, sometimes that's not enough, and, like, you know, mistakes will be made. I don't show up at these people's jobs and write articles about right. their performance. So how long have you been doing stand-up? Uh, it's about... Why did I look at my... <laughs> yeah, you look, <laughs> like, Jesus, watch. man, we put you it's on like, the show. Why'd you look at your watch? Uh, it's about six years and 35 days, 46 hours. Okay. It's, okay. it's been about six years. Yeah, that was a little. Around. That was a little scary. Yeah, because like we just talked about how you're headlining the show, and you're like, shit. I don't know, five, six hours. Uh, come on, <laughs> Here's the thing: if you give me Brian Sternick's whatever four minutes that he's doing, it's probably worth at least a half hour of Brian Sternick if it comes from me. If you give me four minutes, it's like getting thirty from. So him. I have, I have it here. Um, Brian is getting ten minutes. Oh man, I'm doing his show at Dina's. Okay. Um, and like next month, and I put it on my Instagram story. I was like, if anyone tips me, even collectively, like 50 bucks, I'll shave his head live on stage <laughs> while I'm telling jokes. We offer so to do it bucks, during the podcast. For 50 bucks, you get uh, comedy and a live shaving. Right. Which is the funniest and grossest thing anyone's live ever shaving, tried to sell. A live, live shaving. shaving. Yeah. Well, as long as you're keeping it to the head and we might or facial to, area, yeah. you're fine. I'll, I'm not going below that. That would, that would excite Brian, which is a problem. It's actually like when we talk to him, that's possible that that might. Yeah. He really, he, he, he's an open minded chap. Did he show you his Kevin Malone impression from no. the office? Oh, no. So good. <laughs> he's that. really good at that. Oh, really? <laughs> he's, he's really, like, I don't know. He has that, like, loud rumble voice where he's just like, ah, ah. Like, yeah. he, he does that whole, you can't eat cats, Kevin. Like, he, does, <laughs> he does that so well, dude. It cracks me up. He has a young thug joke, too, that's hilarious. So he did my show in Canton at Royal Docks this last month. And I walked over to him because I gave him a guest spot on the show. Mm -hmm. Typically, those are unpaid. So I walked up to him after. I was like, hey, dog, check your Venmo. I just sent you some money for this set. He goes, okay. And I started filming it on Instagram because I Venmoed him. And I thought this through. I Venmoed him $4. Okay. So you see the four bucks and you see his confusion. Then you just see like, 
anger and then you just see him push it down because he doesn't want to bring it up to me <laughs> and seem ungrateful. And like four bucks is the because three dollars and he knows it's a joke. Okay. And but five dollars for a stand-up comedian is believable pee. Yeah. Okay. So like four dollars is the perfect the perfect he was so mad about that. And then a couple days later, like he literally posted it on Facebook. He's like, fuck you, Raj. <laughs> so a couple days later, I requested fifteen dollars from him as a friendship fee, which uh, includes two public appearances and one instance of feigned laughter at a joke he's telling me. <laughs> so uh, he declined it. Yeah, I will tell you that um, John Armstrong, he's the one who put the entire lineup together and, you know. He was great. Yeah, and he put you as the headliner and nobody we've talked to is like, oh, I mean, everybody says you're really funny and that you're you're the guy that you want headlining. Oh, thanks. Yeah, a lot of compliments. And I I mean that sincerely. A lot of sincere sincere compliments followed by insult and uh, yeah. faint jealousy. Well, you know, yeah. but... It's just hacky Indian jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Browns jokes. Cleveland well, you Indians know, it's funny. We were talking, because we just talked to uh, to Joey, too. Joey also immediately is like, got to take a shot at Brian. Is yeah. Brian the little brother of this entire show? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, I think what it is, is like, I've said this to Brian, is he is weirdly the ugliest, but also most successful <laughs> In terms of like romantics, out of all of us, <laughs> I don't know what it is. He hits the pavement, man. It's a numbers He's game. He adopts the numbers game mentality. It he has just to be he showed no. He just shows up and he has like a, he has no ego. I will say that about Brian. Like you can There's nothing you could say to him. That will hurt his feelings. Either that or he's just great at repressing them. <laughs> I'm going to go with number two. He's, he's a guy we're going to see do some shit someday. I've never seen him angry. Because <laughs> he's bottling it up. Yeah. So either he's, you know, we don't know with Brian. Yeah. Maybe he's just a great guy that t- takes enough shrooms to like, you know, right. have an ego death. Or he's going to blow up a train station. We're not sure <laughs> what's going to happen. Well, as long as he's there on November 8th, I guess I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he, he was really funny. We had a good time talking to him, a good time talking with Joey too. So, And that's why we want to make sure that i know we haven't talked about it yet uh that for the show on november 8th that we try to get as many of the comedians on there that way we can do some promoting and make sure that everybody uh you know knows i mean we'll bring it up again when we kind of wrap up but we're about 70 percent of the tickets are sold or just over 70 percent. so make sure you get your tickets quickly it's been posted on instagram we'll do some more reminders over the next couple of weeks but uh Make sure you guys buy soon. It'll be a fun yeah. night. Seven comedians, two. one MC. Yeah. It'll be a, a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we only have X number of tickets, yeah. like yeah. for capacity reasons. So you got thirty left, right? Yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah, less we got than that. Thirty. Now. Yeah, so, and it's in November. Yeah, yeah, that'll sell out. And I think so too. Yeah, uh, they haven't even been up for a full two weeks yet. <laughs> right. So yeah. it's gonna sell out, no doubt. I just hope that like everybody, like you were talking about your right. friends who have never seen you, right? I could buy tickets. Come see Raj. He's yeah, funny but dude. They, you know what they said? They were like, "Oh, like let's go to this thing for these dogs." And yeah. I was like, "You know, my name is on the flyer, guy." <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, That's "Oh really yeah, oh funny. Raj is there too." <laughs> Let's go see I, the I dog thing. I guarantee you what happens. They, they, go, they walk in. They're like, oh, we did our thing for the dogs. Let's have a couple beers. And they go, well, what, what time are you up? Right. I'm like, well, I've got to wait through six other comedians. And they'll be like, well, what, roughly what time of right. night will that be? And I'll be like, I don't know, 930. And they'll be like, mm, all right, well, you know, maybe just, will you post it on YouTube? Gonna record will, you, it? will you record it and send it to us? It's, that's typically what happens. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. To, the, have you been to the Bottle House in Lakewood? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, no. So it's at the Bottle House in Lakewood. It's a big open space, um, which is kind of why we picked it. We thought we could get a good crowd, and uh, they're, I mean, they're right down the street. They were really cool. Um, pretty much agreed to a lot, everything that we're doing. They're pretty open to everything. So we're excited about that. I think yeah. we can uh, 
we could fill that place up, get everybody to have some beers and have some laughs. So that'd be fun. So I think we kind of just missed it earlier. We just kind of skirted around and never came back to it. But when did you realize, and this is a sincere question, yeah. when did you realize that you were funny? Like, was it by um, the time you got into the States before that? No. Dude, if you ask anybody from college, I was not a funny guy okay. at all. Like, I was, I was always making these, from about 10 or 11, I would make jokes so constantly, just terrible puns. <laughs> and, I, and now I kind of see, like, that was part of a foundation of, of terrible practice. Sure. I think there was a day, I got choked out by a kid, literally, because I kept doing puns, and we had to wear ties <laughs> to school. I got choked out. Choked out because you were doing puns. Yeah, yeah, because his name was Muhammad, and I kept doing, I grew up in the Middle East, but British school, so I kept doing puns throughout math class. This kid was failing the class and trying to focus, and he's probably failing the class because I was dicking around with him, (laughs) and and that's probably also why I continually failed math throughout my life, and um, ironically now I work as, you know, day job as a data analyst, which is a strange thing, but so I kept doing them, we had to wear ties to school, Mm -hmm. and so... Where math lets out, we go to lunch. I'm still making jokes, and he tightens the tie so much, just out of the blue, caught me tightened Catch it, up. and I was like, "Geez, man!" And I was like, for a second, it was funny, and then I like, I was like, "Oh, I can't breathe, like I couldn't speak," <laughs> and it went from like he's laughing, I'm kind of laughing, to he's like, "Oh shit!" And then he's like trying to loosen that knot to save his life because right. I was about to lose mine, um, and I was like, a two seconds from passing before that knot broke. And I don't remember what happened, but, like, it comes loose. I take a couple deep breaths of air, and he's like, dude, are you okay? Are you fine? And I finish the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Committed. <laughs> I, I was, I'm not, and I've kind of, not just with comedy, but, like, with kind of everything in life, I have this terrible persistence, even when I shouldn't sometimes, to mm-hmm. try to make things work. Okay. I don't know what that is. It's, uh, it's like a weird Indian trait. Okay. Like, I got to have two broken legs, and if I'm starting a marathon, I'm crawling over the finish line. That's <laughs> kind of how It's I'm like that Monty Python scene where he's like, it's just a flesh wound, and then right. he cuts his other arm off. <laughs> yeah. Just a scratch. Right. So, I don't know. I think the first time I f- felt funny was, honestly, after moving to Cleveland. Okay. So, I did five years in Arkansas where I felt funny. Like, I felt like, okay, but then you get this imposter syndrome, right? Small bubble. Like, am I just succeeding because I know gotcha. a lot of these people? Yeah, yeah. And then I, you put the album out, the album does okay, and it's still getting airplay, so I'm, I felt happy about that. But it was, once I got up here, dude, the level of talent, the, like the comics on this local scene, enormously supportive people. Uh, moving to Cleveland in the dead of December, I had a bunch of life changes, relationship fell apart, the whole nine. These people, I don't know what it is about Cleveland's comedy scene. I've never wanted to fight harder for another group of individuals. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they're really, really, I mean, beyond being talented, they're just good people. Yeah. Um, like Josh Morrow, right? Like one of the first guys to be like, all right, man, like, look, I know what this is. Like, I can see you. You're a comic. We have like similar experiences in terms of how our mental health progresses, right? In general. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't have you sit in your house and mope about this all weekend. I'm, I'm letting you do guest time on every single show I have this weekend. You didn't have to do that. Yeah. And it was just a way for him to drag me out of the house, start to kind of get me back on my feet. Um, and it's been like a long rebuilding process because it's, it's a rebuilding process that's occurring during a building process in a new, in a new city. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I'm excited because this is probably the first time in my life I feel like, man, I can hold my own in a big city on a decent stage with some very talented people. 
Um, I'm not saying I'm the best by any means, but just to be in the company of these guys, mm-hmm. I'm, I think by the end of this year, I'll have done 500 sets in some capacity, open mic or whatever. And just to walk into that room and feel like, okay, like I respect everybody in here. They all work incredibly hard and I'm not dying horrible deaths on stage. Like that right. makes you feel like, okay, so maybe, maybe I'm not the best, but I also have something here. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Well, like you said, I mean, some guys have to cultivate that over 20 years. Right. You're, you know, 20%, 25% of the way into that. Right. Not to say it's going to take you 20 years, but I think no, and even, I have to imagine in that kind of craft, it's, you may actually learn something every time you go up or yeah. learn something that works or learn something about yourself or your delivery, anything like that. Yeah. So like, even that's the other thing about Cleveland. You may play a very normal, like a club. You may play the Winchester, which is more of like, mm-hmm. you know, like a small liquid bar. Each one of these environments is radically different. And then I go down to Arkansas and that's like a Republican through and through room with some Democrats scattered through. So every experience is different. Uh, in February, I did 10 days in South Africa. No way. I probably bombed like five of those days. It's so strange. Like huh. it's so different. Um, it just in terms of what's funny, what's not. They like crowd work a lot more. They like physical comedy a lot more. They, I think some of the things that, stateside comics would now call relatively hack is still it's a newer comedy market there um and i don't think they're necessarily hacky i just think like com- they're maturing into a comedy curve that's a little bit behind comedy in the us, u.s yeah. for what 100 years right? yeah it's like 30 years old there so you do something like that do you have to what say before you even did those 10 sets there, yeah do you kind of have to cater or or change yeah maybe what you would normally do because think maybe if you're doing things that are current local scene or current right. u.s scene it's not gonna i would think it's probably not going to land or you can't count on it landing in yeah. a different country so the, how the do you come don't work for th- sure. that's what i mean yeah, yeah cultural reference you have right. to think you have to think ahead of yourself and i'm writing from the minute i get off the plane like everything is a new experience how can i spin this in terms of my take um how can i make it funny what i noticed when i started to turn that curve is like i asked like some of the johannesburg comics like, what do you guys think i'm doing wrong and they're like, honestly, you have an American accent and you don't look like what we view an American to be. Okay. So automatically the perception is thrown off. Secondly, like we are used to the rest of the world kind of coming in here with these negative perceptions. So I started opening my sets, apologizing for my accent as a joke. <laughs> and from there, you're a lot more endeared to the audience somehow. Um, just leveling everybody straight away and not being like, hey, I'm a U.S. comic. or anything. You're acknowledging what they're all thinking. <clears throat> Yeah. To start, yeah. Okay. Which is, I'm sorry, we're dicks. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the best way to put it. And then everyone's like, all right, okay, guards down. That's what they want to hear. Like, yeah, to some degree. Especially from an American comic, right? Like, they want you to come in there and be a little bit self-deprecating. Right. You know? Yeah, and the other thing, too, is, like, I would make jokes, like, stereotype jokes, and none of them would land. And one day I asked a bunch of Indian dudes and they're like, yeah, we don't get it. Like, what's this thing with accountants? I'm like, that's like a thing that we do. And they're like, that's not a thing we do. I was right. like, what do you mean? They're like, our families have been here 200 years. And one guy was like, I'm a dancer. The other guy's like, I'm a painter. One guy's like, I'm a surgeon. I was like, well, you fit. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so I was like, why the fuck weren't you laughing? He's like, because I have so this plethora of professions and we can be anything. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting because I almost felt like I felt ignorant. Because it's like, dude, I've been living in bo- these boxes my whole life. You know, and they haven't. You're you're talking about things now that I've never even considered. Like, yeah, you know, all that, all those really 
cultural like little things that we just take right. for granted and you know when somebody you know makes a joke about them it's almost always funny right because you get the context from hearing it for 25 years of your life right then you go somewhere and you tell a star wars joke and everybody's like what is, i don't even know the what fuck is, that? is star wars yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's Star Wars? That movie that's coming out in like three What's years? What's weird <laughs> is the adoption of, ever since Netflix especially, adoption of Western cultures through the roof. Yeah. Sure. Like if stand-up is exploding in India today, it's because like Netflix specials are a thing. Um, Amazon Prime has entered the market. What upsets me is Indian comics that are like, I really want, in India, that are like, I really want Amazon Prime or Netflix to pick me up. And I understand that. But you have a billion and a half guys why don't we have our own streaming service? Yeah, yeah. Like, why are you now selling content to American companies who really win because they've acquired access to, let's say, 300 million new customers in the matter of one special? Which is why I guarantee you, you I, think the, I think I saw a thing where they signed, Amazon Prime signed 26 carte blanche Netflix stand-up specials in India. There's probably 80 working comics, maybe 100 mm -hmm. In a country of a billion and a half, and they've acquired this massive, it's the world's largest English-speaking democracy, and you've got all, and it's a very young country. So they've got all these young people's, essentially email or whatever, um, user data that they can now market to over the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. It's a super smart move. So you mentioned something, I think you mentioned it twice, and it's something that I, I don't think can ever be can never be comprehended unless you actually go through it. You, you talk about kind of just eating shit on stage. Oh, yeah. So any one of these. Actually, you know what? An earlier one, I, I think, is probably the best one because you're starting out. Sure. What is it like? What is the best way you can describe really just eating dick on stage, especially when you're starting out? Because you're starting yeah. out, you probably have all these expectations. I'm going to go up there, laugh. I'm going to cultivate everything. And then you go up there, and it's fucking crickets. So... All right, so here's what I think it's like. All right. You're, you ever sit in a group of friends and you're like, guys, you got to check this YouTube video out. And then you pull the video up and then you show everybody and you're like, right, huh? And like you're laughing. <laughs> no one gives and then they're shit. just staring at you. And then like it's like three more minutes and you can tell everyone's like, when the fuck is this going to happen? Yeah. That's, <laughs> We've all been there, yeah. That's what it's You're trying your hardest to like be like, look at this great thing that you know I found or that getting, I, I think is hilarious. And they don't align with it. And you're personally invested in it. Yeah. Now imagine you made the YouTube video. <laughs> and nobody wants to watch it. Right. Okay. That might be the best way I can, I can and think And some of. days, like, it's like you made the YouTube video. Nobody laughed at it. And then instead, some guy's like sitting in the back and he starts playing his own YouTube video. And people are like, that shit's hilarious. <laughs> That's what it's like when you're heckled. Like that's, oh, you know, like okay. you're, you're trying to do a thing here. That guy's over there like quipping in and everyone's like, ah, oh, isn't he the best? Yeah. Like it, I, I can only imagine it's like being in a, in a class full of like, like a high school class where like the nerd has something like actually valuable to say. And everyone's yeah. like, man, Jerry's dick joke. Great. <laughs> he could throw a football. Like that's the yeah. guy we should get behind. What about heckling? Is that a normal thing for you? Frequently? No, because I'm, I'm good at dealing with it. Okay. I'm kidding. I actually like I like doing crowd work. I don't mind if people try to heckle me. I've had, I've had one I've one or two racist hecklers. I've seen multiple fights go down, in like my in the time that I've done comedy. Really? Oh yeah, I love going up right after or during a fight. It's because <laughs> I, I had a fight go down at a brewery I was doing once. Um, a comic before me was like legitimately trying to close out the show, and there was this guy that walked in late, started drinking. And he was just being loud as shit in the front row. 
And so the comic started roasting him and this mm-hmm. guy was steadily getting more and more angry. So at the end of his set, he comes off and he's like, hey man, it's just, just jokes, sticks out his hand for a handshake. And this guy pulls his hand back. So the comic nipple cripples him real quick. Oh, <laughs> oh Christ. And then, the, so the guy swung at him. And next thing you know, there's a full blown fight going and I'm the MC. So I get up there. I'm like, okay, like they're going to break this apart pretty quick. It's just, you know, it's a quick scuffle. So I start, they don't do that. And then I have two thirds of the audience paying attention to me. One third of the audience is within the proximity of this fight. So they're <laughs> concerned about getting landed on. So I start calling the fight. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> so I'm like, big dude with a great right hook. Oh, that's a solid defense from the comic. Like just doing this shit, thinking it's going to wind down. It doesn't. The cops get called. Uh, and I took a picture with a police officer that showed up. He was pissed. I mean, he just, he didn't appreciate that. But I was like, hey, man, let's take a picture. I still have it somewhere. Um, then there was a fight not too long ago in Lakewood at an at an open mic. So. Um, what do they do? What? I know they do them at LVT. This was at ATC, around the corner. Oh, okay, okay. So I walk in late, and the mic is running, and I see this guy, like, screaming, coming through like the door there's like an outdoor patio he's coming to the inside and he's screaming at somebody and i'm going oh no like it's an open mic that's a comic on the other end of that punch so i circle around through where the bathrooms are so i'm like okay i can essentially like you know help out if needed i can't i'm not a fighter but i was like all right i'll fucking go over there anyway by the time i circle around i realized this guy's not trying to fight a comic he's fighting his wife no, and I thought the, I thought the lady was like part part of the bar, but she's like screaming at him. She's like, "You need to get out of here!" And so he starts leaving, and then the bar kicks her out too. And then they wanted to shut the mic down, and I was like, "Hell, like no, let's like this is where we come back to life. Like, this is great." Right. The guy got upset because someone said he was wearing a a turquoise shirt from Old Navy, and he's like, "It's teal," and like lost his mind. <laughs> no. <laughs> You know that came up a couple times that day already. And he one, was already on the fence about wearing that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> one time, one time I like, called... Don't uh, wear that. I called a guy. There was a guy on the front row, drunk. Same brewery. This brewery I don't think was a, the greatest place to do comedy. It was a small, like, tin shack style thing. So he's drunk and chatty in the front row. So I was like, hey, Cold Stone Steve Austin, why don't you shut the fuck up? <laughs> he, he loses his mind. He's like, why don't you build that wall? I was like, you don't want me building it. There's going to be a lot of holes. Just like shit like that. Just... <laughs> Wait, did he think you were Mexican? I, I just think he thinks I'm an immigrant, so, you know, oh. ergo some, 50 shades of brown, put them all in the same I place. love the Stone Cold Steve because I already know what this dude looks like. Right. Yeah, he's a fat over... He looked yeah. like Stone Cold, but he ate Cold Stone. Cold Stone Steve Cold Stone Steve Austin. So heckling... Heckling used to bother me a lot because I was like, man, like, I've now driven down here. I've driven two hours to Fort, Fort Smith, Arkansas. It's a dump. We're playing this place. These girls are drunk and they're shouting at us and we're trying to do something for five minutes and you can't pay attention. Uh, the older I get, like you get good at like realizing that if you block some of these people out, you still have a show to play to the rest of the audience. 99% of them are being quiet and attentive. Yeah. Right. The only time you give them attention is when you, you can kind of pick the ones that are going to lose that battle. <laughs> there's guys that will just try to derail you and then there's people that offer you enough fodder because they're just a little too drunk and you know that in that contest you've got them i can't think of a time i've actually seen like a like a ha- like a hackle hackle i've seen interactions with comedians and the, the crowd all the time yeah i think that that's pretty common especially i think more nowadays someone will pick someone out in the crowd and and for the most part i've never seen anyone get mad 
they may try to jibe back or something like that or, yeah. or anything. But for the most part, it's all in good fun. I've never really seen anything bad. So every time I see something like that online, I'm always kind of blown away by that. Like the, the mentality yeah. of somebody who's in a room of 20 to 200 people mm-hmm. who's like, this is the time that I really should speak right yeah, now. Not right. the guy with the mic that we all right. paid to see, right. that we've all agreed to sit quietly and listen to. It's time for me to shine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, to step there's people in here. that feel very brave a couple of drinks in, but yeah. they won't get on stage. There's a guy every Tuesday, and I got mad at him because every Tuesday without fail, he'll show up in the plate glass outside, like in the window of the open mic, and the comics get up on stage, and it's like a. The window faces the street, so he'll just show up and he'll be like one of those guys that shows up during a news broadcast and yeah. just <laughs> makes like jerk off signs yeah. in the background. <laughs> so he does that every week. And so a couple weeks ago, right before I went in, I saw him and I had a few. So I walked up to him. And I was like, why the fuck do you do that every time? He's like, oh, it's funny. I was like, if you want to be funny, come in there. Like nobody's stopping you. Like come in and do it on stage. And he's like, nah, man, I can't. And I keep talking to him. He's like, all right, I can't because I'm banned from there. I'm actually banned from every establishment on the street. <laughs> oh, <laughs> So, I have a bad habit of ex- encouraging the wrong people to do comedy. Because okay. I just want to be like, oh man, like comedy made my life better. Maybe for you. And some of these dudes, I should just... Oh, I would love to give an open session to somebody who's been banned from every place on the street. <laughs> like, where are you at in your life yeah. right now? It's uh, So, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, and then you kind of touched on it again. And you, were, yeah. you were talking about how comedy has made your life better. Yeah. And we were talking about... Um, how we had done an entire episode right. on depression, right? Yeah, and you were you were you were kind of. So, what is it about? Like, are you an introvert? What is it about like comedy that has fixed like you know or helped in your struggles? All these other motherfuckers are depressed too, so we're <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> at least we're in the same room together, right? And that honestly, it helps because like, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have a creative outlet. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a big part of it. I think there are nights though where like you see your friends who are just living like great norm, what I would call normal civilian lives, right? And like I'll put like this whatever. Two weeks ago, I did an audition for stand up NBC, um, and I'm watching all my friends just have a fun weekend, going to the game, whatever, sunshine, beers, and I'm over here sweating bullets over a two minute audition for five executives after having driven seven and a half hours to Nashville bomb the audition, go back, fall asleep on a couch, two cats, they're clawing at my belongings, wake up, one of the cats is eating my toes. <laughs> you wake up that Sunday and you're just like, Christ, man, like this is, this is, this is where it stings. Like it's got incredible highs where like you'll be in front of 400 people and they'll be laughing and there's nothing that will replace that. And then it's got incredible lows where it's like you, you just eat shit, make shit money and you just look around, you're like, how, like, you know, how long? How long does this keep going? Over the years, what I've gotten a lot better at is not treating those bombs or those wins like they're everything. Yeah. It's just a, a game of averages. Each year, if I get a little bit better, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Um, as wrong as shit went personally in Cleveland, comedically, it's gone excellent. Like it's, I've been on a tear this last six months. I'm Good. close to exhausted, but at least it's exhaustion in the right direction. So yeah. I feel good about that. Does uh and I guess you mentioned like you know is this it or anything like that yeah and not what is your end date for comedy because I don't think right. you really have one or even need one mm-hmm. but where do you what is like the mentality of comics or what is the mentality of you or both in terms of where do you want to take this where do you want to take this venture do you want to take this venture just to 
larger shows, travel around, meet new people, keep doing the same. Like, is the road and the the, the different venues and different people the thing that you strive for that you like the most? Do you want to get into more television or TV, if that's something you want to do or anything like that? I think road work has inherent difficulties with it. Sure. It's necessary. It's definitely part of how you make your money. The ideal situation would be to do more more TV, because TV affords you scale. Radio affords mm-hmm. you scale. You can reach a lot of people. A show, you're going to reach, whatever, 70 to 100 to a couple hundred at a time. Um, plus, if you have a family, like being gone 40 weeks a year, sure, not easy. And if you do the math on it, depending on how big you are as a headliner, if you're like a medium-range guy, you're probably only clearing like 70K a year, right? So that's like an entry-level job at a decent company, maybe maybe like a year in. Um so you just have to consider all those metrics. It's like, how, how long can you do? If you're a young guy, the road is your place. Sure. If you're an older guy, I think that's the, you know, that's the, um, that's where the life challenge, you need very supportive partners in a circle around you that understands that what you're doing is something that they can get behind. And what about like family, friends? I, I don't, yeah. most, most people have a mixed bag of that. No, I think got, uh, for the most part, uh, friends, I think you're like, yeah, that's awesome. Do it. Family, I mean, I can see it going both ways. I mean, I think they're like, do the thing you love. Yeah. But uh, it's an entertainment It's an entertainment realm for sure. Right. And I think anyone is going to say, that's pretty cool, but that's also incredibly difficult and competitive. So wh- wh- what's their reaction to it? So I think I have some of the best friends that anybody could ask for that does stand up, right? Guys that are just consistently like, damn, like this is cool. Like, keep going. Um. Family-wise, my folks are definitely super supportive. They're also like, "Well, you're getting uglier slowly, so you should try to look for a good, like a good woman to settle down with some point in the near future." And and my folks are Indian, so I'm like, "All right," like, and they're like, "You should get an MBA too." I was like, "What do I need the MBA for?" Like, there's no requirement. And the worry in my head, and they they kind of drew back on this about a year ago, but. I think they're saying that as a fallback, and I'm going, there. this is it. Like, there is right. a fallback. It's this or li- like spearfishing in the Pacific off of like a dinghy. I think I'd like, kind of like that, to be honest, honest with you. Those are the two options for me. Yeah. Because um, I think, I, I mean, I think my parents would have said the same thing. Like, that's awesome. I think you really, really like it. And then my dad like, yeah. Not full-time though, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, and I think... Young or not, I think he would always just want me to make sure. It's the safety net thing that they're always thinking right. about. They want you to do what you love, but they're also like, but is that something you can do forever? And I think you can't. I think now I think it's something that, that you have a lot more opportunity. Like we were talking before we started about you know, Reddit, streaming. I mean, there's so many different ways right. you can actually get yourself out there, and you seem to be pretty well ingrained in that. To some degree. So like for me, I think platforms I really invested in, in terms of like studying them and figuring out what's good and what's not. Twitter is not my my platform of choice. It, it is for a lot of comedians. For me, it's more, honestly, it's more Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. I like the longer prosaic style of writing. Some of the jokes are shorter, but I think Facebook affords you flexibility and you can game that algorithm to a certain degree if you know what you're doing. Okay. Same thing with Instagram. Um, I think what Twitter doesn't afford you. It's, it's 140 characters. Very hard to grow. You need virality to some degree. It, you have to be highly engaged, and it's not very monetizable, in my opinion, at least for my audience. I, I don't attract my ticket sales from Twitter. I hardly ever tweet. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of ways to get yourself out. This year, I think it's a lot more about sketch writing and screenwriting for me. Like retaining the core of my standup will always be paramount. But I think learning to screenwrite is important because. I look at it like 
if there is if there even is one role for a brown guy, there's probably ten brown guys competing for it, and there's only one of us that's going to get it. If you screenwrite, you change the odds. You can option your script. You can cast yourself. You can make those precursors in part of the actual deal that comes with selling your script in. Okay. That makes so, sense. Yeah. Diversify your portfolio, Patrick. Yeah. I've been, I've been preaching to that you for, for years. Yeah, so get in you on are, the stock market. Stop you nothing. are so one-dimensional, Patrick. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, I am. You shave your head all the time? Yeah, I, have, I haven't had hair since I was 18. Yeah. So I had a... Uh, I'm going to turn this into a me thing. Yeah. But I had cancer. Nice. And Yeah, I know. It was awesome. <laughs> so, so literally uh, never heard that response to, I had cancer. Like, fucking A. Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah. like, my, never, my hair never Dude, grew I did back. That so, one time I sneezed and someone was like, bless you. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's a great response. That that. Great so, response. yeah, I've, been, I've, been, I've had my hair like this since I was 18. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Does it grow in or no? No, barely. It looks terrible. Yeah. So you're like, doing this. You would look like Brian Sternick. Sternick's patchy. Uh, you can yeah. tell because we, when we were talking to him, since he does shave his head like every two months or so, he buzzes. You can tell it. he's patchy. Yeah. Yeah. I would get in there with a razor. Yeah. Like I do mine every day when really? I shower. Nice. It's like it's so easy. You're, you're in there in no time flat. You're like, okay, that chore's done. Sh- shaving cream or no? Just hot. Oh water. yeah, shaving cream. I just go hot water, man. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Like the fucking Lincoln Park Shadow of the Day video. Oh, <laughs> you know, just, just get in there. I, I've been thinking about like I've been, and I'm dead serious when I say this. I've been thinking about getting like a a straight razor and it's like hard. a leather strop. It's so hard. I shave. I get my like my do my face with my and my uh, neck with. A straight razor. Do you really? Yeah, doing your head with a straight razor is a fucking nightmare. I I I know, but that's kind of like the the challenge of it. Like, man, I hope I don't cut like a you know a, a major artery or something. Yeah, and that's I mean, when I do my face, I nicked myself a lot that first year. Now hardly ever, but okay. uh, yeah, the your head is difficult. So if your hair grew in, it looks like you have like a full head of hair. On top, yeah. Do I? I shaved yeah. it today. Well, no, I, I mean, you can just tell shadow. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think I could. Well, I don't know whether I want to fall back. The side's growing great. The okay. middle just doesn't. So, okay. like, if I cut it all to a one repeatedly, yeah. it would look okay. But I don't know. Nowadays, I'm thinking, do I, like, it, Cleveland's cold as shit. Do I want to put something back in? You know? Do I want to? I just wear a stock. Do I want to get a plug back in there? Stocking yeah, but the moment. Yeah, but if you grow your hair out like a, like a quarter millimeter. It's like fucking Velcro yes. when you take that yeah, thing Yeah, like you try to take it the hurts. hat off. It's like, it just rips. <laughs> and you end up with little fuzzies. Yeah. Like It's like pulled the cotton on there. Yeah. I, I've had that happen. I know yeah. exactly what you mean. Like only people who shave their heads can understand that. But but it's true. Like you, you try to peel it off and it, yeah. it just doesn't want to come off because it is like Velcro. I'll tell you what happened the day I shaved my head for real. And you tell me if this, you experienced any of this. I shaved my head. Instantly, there were women that would never look at me again. And there was a new group of women that looked at me twice as hard. And then, like, in general, I saw people were just giving me more of what I wanted. I don't know what that is. They're just, um, like, intimidated or, like, this guy doesn't <laughs> give a fuck about anything. What's inter- uh, He's joining ISIS. Just <laughs> keep him quiet. Give him whatever he wants. Joining ISIS. <laughs> so. Um, there, I, I will say this. I, you do find women who are absolutely attracted to bald men. Yeah. Who, when you had hair or have hair, right. they're not into you. It's weak sauce. Yeah, right? But so it's just like what they're attracted to. So right. you do go from like one group of women was attracted to me now to a totally different group of women that are attracted to me. 
If I could, yeah, if I could switch, like, you know what I would do? If I could, like, forget hair, I would become white. Then businesses oh. are now open. Women are coming up <laughs> getting into frats. Like, that's the team switch I'd make. It, it wouldn't be hair, no hair. It would just be Asian to Caucasian. That would be the jump I would make. Do you, would you, is it, is you, would you want to be part of a frat because you couldn't be a part of a frat? Because yeah. I got to be honest, like I'm I had white, no interest in it at I all. would never in a million years be a part of a fraternity. I had no interest in being I, a frat. I, I'll tell you what it is. I th- I think there's a whole subculture of wealth that I've never seen. Okay. And there's uh, not a curious. There's there's something about being excluded that has bothered me forever. Okay. And it's it never really goes the other way around. If white people want to be part of an Indian group or a black group or whatever, there's some barriers, but by and large, it's like, yeah, sure, you can come hang out with us. Like, not a big deal. But there's this thing where, like, I don't know, maybe I just... I, me growing up in a multiracial society, always having to fucking have my hand out to be part of somebody else's shit. Now that I'm nearing 30, that's getting old. Hence, like, the, the heavy investment in Indian culture, in building my own shit, in building those networks is important but i always looked at it like i just i didn't understand how it was that society would come after me for being drunk on the streets but there's all these kids who are 18 that have a house that are clearly trashed on their front lawn and police are just like well that's frat row like i don't understand the dichotomy in our treatment that's what it is i don't want to be when i say i want to be white that's i'm obviously kidding but i want the benefits that come with it so which is really i think the benefit is you don't always have to worry about being treated like an equal. And more so than white, I think it's wealth. I want to, I think in some regards, I want to experience what what perks wealthy people enjoy. You look at Felicity Huffman, right? She's doing 15 days in jail. We were just, just talking, talking about, about that. Yeah. Then you look at that the other lady, forget her name, but she went to jail for five years for uh, sending her, using a wrong address to send her kid to a better school. Like she used a false address. I don't know address. anything about that. Yeah, one. she got five years or three years in jail for using... Uh, she used a fake address so that she could send her kid to a better public school, um, you know, that wasn't in the district that she actually lived in. Yeah, that, to me, that seems awfully harsh for such a minor thing. But I also think a broken judicial system is reinforced by a broken racial system, or at least socioeconomic system, that the IFC empowers on a large scale. You look at the number of presidents that were part of frats, it says everything to you. Like, there's connections and networks that are exclusively withheld from a lot of people white and not white, but mostly people that didn't have the money or the dues or really, I don't know, the wherewithal to become part of this closed-off society. Yeah, I can buy easily that wealth buys you opportunity. Right. May I have a Sprite, Joe? Can I have another beer? Yes. Nice. Um, I would love to, like, get more into, like, the white privilege thing because white privilege to me doesn't exist right and i know like i know a bunch of people like right now are like well that was a dumb thing to say but mm-hmm. like well, I, this is your perspective right well that's my perspective yeah. right and 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 i've what i mean by that is i've never experienced anything beneficially just because i was white not that i'm aware of fair yeah what you're not quantifying is let's say non-white what's the opposite privilege consequence doesn't exist for you either so like you um, you're less likely to be pulled over or incarcerated for long periods of time or have a lack of social mobility you may not become president but you're also not likely to be you know 
I've been pulled I mean? over a lot. Yeah, but that's because they're yeah, I have they're too, looking. But I think I'm just a bad driver. No, <laughs> I, just... I've been I've been and I'm and I'm serious. I've been harassed by cops a lot in my life. I'm not saying I'm saying this is on average, right? For no, you in yeah. your perspective. No, for and, sure. I can understand and, why people have differing. Thank you for and the I, and, and I actually agree with that on average. But to me, there's such a, a an easy line dr- to draw yeah. back to socionomical, so, socionomic. Right. Am so, I getting that right? Socioeconomic is what you Thank you. Doing. Socioeconomic status. I really right. wish I didn't help you and just watch you fight through that word. No, I would have gotten it. <laughs> but do you see, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's easy to draw that line right. to, like, it, it's... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I had a like a two-hour discussion about this yesterday. And the, the hardest part is, okay, so you think back even like five, ten years, right? You would be able to some degree to go up to a female coworker and be like, are you okay? You're just having a long day? Like, you look tired. Why aren't you, like, why aren't you smiling or whatever? And mm-hmm. it wasn't a big deal. And now mm-hmm. women have finally figured out that they are in a position in time, or not even figured out, but finally been given... I'm saying all this wrong. None of this sounds fine. I know I'm trying to get it right. But like women can basically now be like, fuck off. I don't like that statement. Yeah. And socially, guys are now having to turn around and be like, yeah, you know what? It's not the right thing to fucking say to somebody. Um, so what I find interesting is they've probably always felt that way and just had to bottle it up. And we're finally understanding their perspective or at least more open to listening to it. And if you're out there and you're thinking man, he's, he's flubbing this a lot. It's because the fucking culture we live in, I'm trying to get these things out from the goodness of my heart. Yeah. So forgive the, the missteps in language. It's, it's hard to talk about. I, I think you... Well, and, I want to talk about it in a yeah. sensitive and, and kind way, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think I always have... I don't think many of us always have the language and yeah. the thought around it crystallized to a good degree yet. Right. Well, I think the, and the reason maybe there isn't like the right kind of... The right way to say that, because I know what you're talking about, for yeah. sure, especially in the workplace. It used to be not permissible, but it was tolerated, and it isn't now, and I think that's a good thing. But- I do, too. I, I think that there is also another step in that, that that's occurred because of that, and now it's becoming where things that weren't a big deal are being are becoming a big deal no matter what. Uh, yeah. it's, it's being – it can be abused. Well, which is why I was kind of like I'm very careful about who is in charge of – Movements that are talking about oppression. Sure. Um, you know, I, this Chappelle made this point in the special and everyone <laughs> misses it, which is essentially that we talk about all these communities. He said it on equanimity, right? The only reason we're talking about trans rights is because white men want to talk about it. And he's like, you know, and, and black people have been so long disenfranchised within the United States and there are problems that still aren't addressed. Um, and so I'm, I'm careful... In, through these gaps, because I do, I respect these movements of equality and what people want is within their perspective. I respect all of that. What I look at is, as an Indian, who can I help? The people I could be a role model to are people within my community and I give them my energy to the best degree. And when I say my community, I don't just look at Indian people. I look at people that have these tough upbringings, immigrants in general, people that may not have the most wealth, people that are struggling with depression or anxiety and the only reason I, I try to be a decent or vocal flag bearer for these groups even people from Arkansas is because they get shit on a lot all the time I'm sure trans people do too but these are causes I feel connected to where I feel educated about the issue where I feel like I'm articulate enough to fight for them in an authentic way so I get what you're saying it's all over the board it's such an uncomfortable fucking space to be but if there's anyone 
that should be in that space and talking about it, it's the guy that just said nice when he was told somebody once had cancer. <laughs> like that's who you should put up the bat. I just thought it was funny. You should put that guy up. I thought it was funny. No, uh, I've had six people in my family have cancer. Really? Yeah. All women, too. Uh, one guy. Five women, one guy. All in. Oh, man. Everybody All, still in India? Well, they're in heaven now. Or Yeah. That's, oh, yeah but, so so it, it didn't turn out well? No. This, oh. Yeah, no. You should have said nice. That would have been a good one. I was thinking about it. I, I didn't know if that was... Ah, oh, shit. I, I didn't have that... <laughs> just that coarseness in me. No. It's... Rosh, no. it's uh, well, dude, like, as depressed as I am, you know, after open mic the other day, we were fucking standing around... Comparing uh, notes on like suicide jokes, and it's mm -hmm. like I don't I, I tell people this and they struggle with it, but like, I can separate my mental state, and jokes about it, and I can often do that with only with comedians because they understand when it's a bit and when we need to stop and kind of be like, mm -hmm. oh, are you good though? Like, are you fine? So we were talking about how we would kill ourselves, um, <laughs> and so everyone had like a different answer. So some people were like pills and other people, whatever it was, I was like gun. Um, and then my friend, Brett Thomas, who I think he might be on the show, one of the driest, he's Brian's roommate, one of the driest, okay. funniest one-liner writers that he might have the joke that has cracked me up hardest this year. He goes, if I were to kill myself, I would do it classic style. I'm like, it's not a diner <laughs> option. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I think I would do toaster in the bathtub oh my and, and i'm going okay and he goes but i would make it funny i was like how he's like i'll put cream cheese and bagels out <laughs> so so that when they show up they're gonna be real confused was it about an accident? what i was trying to do i just thought it was the best joke oh, because he said it like off the cuff and it was it was hilarious that is funny and then we have to be like, Brett, are you okay, though? Because <laughs> So do Joe and I a favor. I know we, yeah. we hardly know each other. Listen to our episode on depression. I, I, because I, I, I listened to that, and I listened to oh, okay. uh, Brian's episode on okay. the way down. I saw there was an article written about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, we so. did, and there was a Cleveland blogger that didn't oh, write yeah. about us. Yeah, I didn't even know what you were talking about. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, really? It's a weird... I don't know. Com comedians now... Like, here's what I found so surprising. We get Dave Chappelle gets hammered for a special. Meanwhile, Andrew Yang is on stage at the Democratic presidential debate going, I'm Asian, I know doctors, right? And, like, he gets a minimal <laughs> amount of feedback, and then it's like a shoulder shrug, like, well, I guess we'll... St you know, so the hypocrisy in this is, is rampant. It's like you expect more from people in entertainment in America than you do from actual presidential candidates, which, if you really kind of think about America, makes sense. Like I entertainers it, are gods here. Well, that's is, I, well. We kind of touched on it earlier. I mean, the uh, the people that are doing the protesting, the people that are doing this, are the people that don't that that a lot of times younger generations don't vote, but they're well informed about what's going on with Dave Chappelle. They're well informed right. about who is the actor that maybe tweeted right. something out that shouldn't have done. Right. But they don't. They can't name five of the people that were on the stage during the Democratic debate. Right. Yeah. Or, or what their background is. It's 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 entertainment is God. You know, let me ask you guys. So Cleveland wise, and I know we're st stepping away a little bit and I'm moving the goalposts on the podcast for hair, but right. what's your favorite thing about this place? About Cleveland? Yeah. How long have you guys lived here? Uh, I'm from Akron. I moved up here about five years ago. Oh, nice. Okay. So, so I spent a lot of time. I love that there. too. Like when I say Cleveland, I mean all of like Northeast Ohio, but people are like, no, I'm Akron. I'm easy, I'm, easy yeah, exactly. Akron. Well, I was just going <laughs> to I grew up outside of Youngstown. Yeah. Uh, I've, I moved to the Cleveland area, 
I think I've been here 13, 14 years now. Yeah. I think I like because it's a, it's a big city, but it's not congested. Mm. I like that. There's a lot of stuff to do. I, I love the... Uh, I hear that. I hear that a lot. And I'm always confused because it's like, it, there's a lot of drinking holes, mm-hmm. but That's outside what that... mean by stuff to do. All right. Was that not clear? no what i mean is no i do like i i love uh i we're in an area right now so we're in lakewood yeah um so we are surrounded by um, we're 10 minutes from downtown we're 10 minutes from ohio city we're 10 minutes from battery park uh 10 minutes from tremont uh these are areas that have comedy music right uh, all these different events you know through this podcast and we mentioned earlier we've met a lot of people uh um uh, Haley over at the uh, uh, Cleveland Bucket List. Mm-hmm. She all she does is post about things to do in the right, city. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that there is a lot of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, we try new restaurants. We go. We love. We love going to concerts. We love going to shows. And I think that there's. I think the music is a little lacking, especially for the rock and roll city. Well, I, I, that's the every year I've come. I've come up here for five years. Yeah. At least once a year. Summertime was killer for concerts at the Q. And they shut it down this year, and I'm like, God, dude, there's nothing going on. Like, and then I guess Black Keys open it up in a couple of weeks with with the music end. So yeah, that I'm I'm itching for that. Well, what they've been doing is they've been having like uh, like the Killers, Interpol. They've been playing shows outdoors Nautica. at the Rock Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Those are a great time. You got to um, be keyed into the city. I think that's the problem. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, I guess you get like sponsors, you know, to talk about what's coming up next month. Yeah, I mean, that's to me, I think that there's a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy it. And I, I do like that it does have kind of big city feel with mm-hmm. big city stuff. And we have three sports teams as well. Right. And the city really gets behind its team, no matter how fucking terrible they are. Uh, at least from yeah, a football I standpoint. I don't understand that, man. <laughs> it's a, well. Pinning all your hopes on one guy. Like, didn't we learn this lesson with LeBron? Like, well, he left Well, that twice. panned out, though, though. You don't understand. I mean, we... That was social. You, you like, bullied cool, the guy won. into playing for the city. That's what happened. <laughs> Wait, he's actually right about that. He fought his entire life, yeah. and then nobody put a team around him, and he went, fuck it. Like, when, these, when everyone is like, Jordan's the greatest, I don't see Cleveland unanimously being like, no, it's LeBron. I'm going to Miami, and everyone's like, we're lighting your jersey on fire, bud. Here's the video. And then yeah, he was it. like, man, like, everyone hates me back. You know what? What if I just... What if I throw him a bone? What if I engage in this abusive relationship with these fans and come back and win a championship? And he did. And the city lost its mind. And then the next year, he was like, dude, I can't I can't do this anymore. And everyone's like, you know what? I get it. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for thanks for your t-shirts so, sales. So so the first time he left, it wasn't just that he left. I think people do understand that they would have been pissed. Was it the Nike video with the It was it was the way talents? he left. Yeah. Because he did a couple of things that people uh, I think kind of ignore. I'm taking my obviously the thing. Uh, uh, obviously the the hour long special to announce it. It was was gut wrenching. Two, he did it so kind of late into in the season, so late into the season. Cleveland had because no one could come here. We couldn't get coaches. We couldn't get players. So it was like, well, I don't know if LeBron's going to be here. Yeah. So I mean, that team literally went from a pl- like a, a championship contender to not making the playoffs. Yeah. So we we were so they couldn't get anyone. To, you, to supplement losing him. Right. Do you remember during the decision? So we worked, I don't know, two blocks away from where his house was. I mean, it was that close. No, really, yeah. Right, so the I, pl- like, live right there. Oh, so you live in that bath area? 
Oh, you said yeah, Fairlawn. I live in Fairlawn. Oh, yeah, Fairlawn. Yeah. But For I some reason, live, I live just to clarify, okay. I don't have like LeBron James neighborhood money. I have like Indian people living near Restaurant Hill money. Okay. Like, that's where that I live well, off, we, like very close to a highway. We're very familiar with where you live. Yeah. I, we, that's, I'm from Fairlawn. Nice. Yeah. So we both worked, uh, work, <laughs> work in a, you know, uh, for a company there. And yeah. like during that whole decision thing, there were blimps. Helicopters, road shut down for like a week. Remember that? I do. I remember her and I were downtown. Mm. I'm pointing at my wife. She's in the room. Uh, we were downtown for the decision. I was actually convinced, and, and this was kind of my she thing. Would stay. I, I was like, no one's this big an asshole. What time of <laughs> What time of year was this? Ooh. Summertime. Probably toward the end of summer. Oh, it was late. Man, he straight up Game of Thrones the city. Everyone was gathered in the sunshine. Yeah. Waiting yeah. for the good news, and but he's I like, mean, "Winter's coming, gang. I'm off to my." I still, I still to this day. Oh shit! Winter's coming. I still to this day have not seen that entire thing because as soon as he announced it, the bar that we were in, we were in the bar. Is a, is a kind of a big bar downtown. Yeah, yeah, I've been it's a, there. It's a big place, and shit started. I remember her and I were sitting at the bar, and I kind of leaned over. I'm like, "We should probably get out of here because yeah. it's getting bad. It's like a Tuesday night. People are but mad. I mean, people are lighting shit." Inside the bar, I'm like, let's get the fuck out of here. But it that's was like West bad. Sixth in general. True, that's a normal. One thing, I, as much as yeah, I, like, Cleveland has a lot of good people in it, but there's some dudes in it, especially in that West Sixth area. I don't know who these kids think they are. You know, that's they must have fathers in the mob or some shit. <laughs> they just walk around, their hair's all greasy, their muscles are weird. Like I don't. <laughs> Like, none of your muscles look like you could put them to use in a hard day's work or in a fight. You know? You got huge arms, but your belly is also large. What are you going to be? Like, a a sous chef? Like, what kind of body type are you going for here? (laughs) So, I don't know. There's definitely, like, D-bags. I think that's the thing. That's not a good area. That's not... not No, this is a me thing, Not dangerous. No, I don't like it down there either. No, I got to work this out about myself. Between the frat shit... I think I just hate, I just hate arrogant, You just hate people that are, people. yeah. You yeah, I don't like Larger that. white dudes. I don't mind arrogant poor people. They've earned it. You see what I mean? <laughs> they like have if to you be. Fight, what else are they do? If you fight your way up, immigrants and shit that are arrogant, like Floyd Mayweather, I'm like, you know what, man? You came out of the rougher half of Grand Rapids, Michigan, bought, literally fought with your fists to making $40 million paydays. Not a perfect guy, but you're kind of entitled to a little bit of arrogance here or there. But then when I see like Dan Bilzerian... With like a billion oh, models and his dude, hedge fund father. I, oh, that guy. People love that dude. I can't stand no, that guy. Dude, that guy is everybody. If everyone's, if there was a super villain where like they injected Peter Parker and they're like, your insecurities are now becoming your alter ego. It's Dan Bilzerian. <laughs> it's Dan Bilzerian. He's, he's an absolute Chad. Such a Chad. Yeah, he is. He's he's just that dude that his, inst- well, there, there's a sexualized Instagram right there. I mean, his yes. entire Instagram. There's never a picture of him just at dinner with a friend like, dinner with Brad. Right. It's like, dinner with Brad, here's Sue's butt. It's sitting on my shoulder. <laughs> I'm actually surprised he's allowed to post all that shit, too. Like, some of that is just nude. Yeah, yeah. It's, no. it's kind of weird. That dude's just guns and chicks and planes and blow. That's his entire life. <laughs> actually, I changed my mind. I think he's fucking awesome. <laughs> Do you really? You like yeah, I just, I just changed my own mind by saying that sentence. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> There's something about... Maybe it's my Eastern mysticism coming out, <laughs> or just the fact that I think that one we day we were waiting when that was going to they will they will throw me out of this country. So none of my opinions about America matter. But that guy is the epitome of everything that I think is wrong and greedy, 
led us to the Wall Street crash, made us bomb Japan. All of that <laughs> stuff is Dan Bilzerian's attitude. I, Maybe he's a nice guy on the side. Maybe it's all just an act. I don't know anything about him. I've only heard of him because I don't, Joe showed me. I don't think was. it's an act. I, I'm almost positive I'll have to look this up to double check so it's not law. I'm relatively certain that he had three heart attacks before he was 30 because yeah, yeah. of how hard he went. Or so he says. That's his life. I'm, yeah, that's true. That, that could be a lie. Yeah. I don't know. But no, I don't actually like him. I mean, yeah, he's, no. he's a, I just... He's just... <laughs> <laughs> just, I just Greed like, bothers me, but I'm also a guy that's like willing to like sleep on a couch to tell jokes. Yeah, you know, it's just different. Are you looking it up? I've never heard of this guy, Dan Bilzerian. We should get her mic'd up. No, <laughs> Chris has been mic'd up a couple of times. Yeah, two glasses of wine in. Let's hear about <laughs> what uh, what this- that says. Just like sometimes, like Chris will just like she'll have a thought and she'll she'll be like super anxious at her chair and she'll go, "Go ahead, what do you got to say? We all can't wait." I mean, it lights up. You don't think it would balance out your podcast? What's that? It would balance out your podcast nicely. It could. We'll never know. (laughs) I let him eliminate her from the team right there. She's on the team. She just speaks in the background. I mean, she she doesn't. We don't actually have to ask her, you know, what, like, what do you think about this? She'll just yell it from the back. And this is her house, so basically she can do whatever yeah, she exactly. wants as far as true. I'm concerned. Yeah, very true. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else? Do you have I'm, any? Do you have anything? <laughs> we literally three grown men looked at yeah. each other like, my God, nothing. I think that's how guys' conversations work. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, I've said we're it all. Ba- we're bad at it. At yeah. a certain point, we're just like, yep, all right, so you, you say something. What do you have coming up that you want? people to hear about uh shoot so i started uh i've got this uh room down actually my buddy sean started it with his friend jason but i'm I'm continuing to run it um october 10th there's a show down at royal docks in canton at the cannery and event space uh bill squire is headlining that liz blanc is featuring and then we'll have some fun some fun guest sets uh last month we did it with mary santor brian came down josh morrow all three of those comics killed it so it's a good show tickets go out this next week um, outside of that, I think I'm going to try to film this sketch about White Claws, which... <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Have you ever seen a Snickers ad? You know, where it's like, you're not yeah. yourself when you're hungry? hungry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my idea is to flip that, where essentially, like, it starts out, I come into a bar, I'm like, man, and the bartender goes, rough day, I go, Phew. he hands me a White Claw, I'm like, what's this? And the bartender's like, just drink it. So I take a sip, and it cuts the bartender, and the bartender's like, better, and it cuts back, and it's Brian Sternick, and he goes, better. <laughs> <laughs> And then the bartender is like, well, take another sip. And he does. And it cuts. And the bartender goes better and cuts back. And it's Katie Moynihan, who's like this real short white girl who is probably like, if you were to picture a comic that could have been in a sorority, it's probably Katie. Okay. <laughs> and she, when he goes better, she goes, woo. And that's, and then the tagline comes up and it's like, you're not yourself when you're drinking. White <laughs> so I'm going to try to love that flip idea. that Snickers yeah. ad. The White Claw has been a hot topic for about a month. Yeah, you ever listen to... It'll be hacking like three weeks. There's a, is. There's another podcast on our network. It's called the FUC Podcast. It's mm-hmm. fucked up Cleveland. Um, Andy and Ron do it. And it's really funny. You can't hear anything they're saying, but it's really funny. <laughs> wow, they're just that fucked up? No, it's like... It's ripped it's on like White Claws. I was trying to have a really good joke, but you can't Wait, hear why? because I'm covering the microphone. Why are they doing that? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Hang on. Why, why, first, why are they doing that? Second, why would you put that on your network and advertise it? That's the worst. The, 
<laughs> not great giving, business people. They're, they're giving Joe a headache. We right don't now. have a lot Stop. of answers for these questions. <laughs> well, but seriously, they they're really it is really funny. It's very they funny. do a great job. Yeah. But they have this ongoing hatred of White Claw, and it's it it's making me laugh because somebody somewhere did a Twitter and Instagram um, hashtag study. That's what it was. So great, you know, great sources. There were more hashtags about White Claw in Ohio than any state in the country. So proud. I would would expect that, though, because everyone, we drink through the winter, which means that we get fat because we can't get out and exercise. So you have to be calorie conscious. Otherwise... You know, by the time it rolls around to next year, you're going to have a solid 10 pounds on you. Uh, yeah, I, I live that every why fall. I started winter. drinking White Claw for that reason. Actually, I started drinking White Claw because I drank Fireball, and that's a gateway liquor. So okay. you just drink that. <laughs> you graduate You graduate the White Are you Claw. sure you have been in a fraternity? <laughs> I'm sure I've been in a sorority. Exactly. I might have been in a sorority. I haven't been in a fraternity. I wrote what happens. I had wrote a joke where I had a, like a different thing happens to you for each flavor of white claw that you drink <laughs> so the last one that i wrote was uh pumpkin spice latte i was like if i drink this i'll definitely get citizenship right because like i drink it all of a sudden i look down my hair's growing out i'm wearing a white merino wool sweater it's fall the leaves are dying but my spirit is alive my hands form into a symbol i make a shrieking sound and suddenly there's a thousand white women around me and i realize i'm the president of a sorority like that's what happens when you drink pumpkins <laughs> Then I drank a mango white claw, and five women lined up at the bar next to me, and uh, it was Monica, Erica, Sandra, and Tina, and uh, a fifth one. And then I realized I'm fucking Lou Bega at this point, singing Mumbo Number no. Five. Oh shit! I forgot about that. I looked down. I'm wearing chinos from the Gap and a colorful, culturally appropriated shirt from Banana Republic. <laughs> Fedora on my head. So I had one of these written for every single flavor. That's pretty. Black great. cherry was. Uh, I contemplate getting a nose ring and just settle for an eyebrow, an eyebrow piercing and listening to Stained. Um, <laughs> listening for, to Stained. I, I forget what all of them are off the top of my head. I literally wrote it like a week or two ago, but yeah, it's fun stuff, man. Yeah. Um, I've lost friends of White Claw. Not lost them as in we don't talk anymore. Yeah. But like I, I, I was at a, uh, like a fundraiser for a friend of mine, and a friend of mine was sitting next to me, and he's firing through these things. Yeah. Really, really shooting They taste through. like nothing. Really shooting yeah. through them. And this was a guy that could put a lot of beer and whiskey down. And now we switched over to White Claw. And I we I was just like, I'm sorry, what do you when did this happen? I, I was asking him like right. he'd been in an accident. I was like, <laughs> when did I did, I just saw you the other day? You were fine. What like when did this happen? And he's like, Man, he kind of said the same thing. He's like, It's gotten to a point where, you know, I can drink like thirty beers. <laughs> yeah. So if I drink these, I don't put on as much weight. I'm like hmm. okay, there's probably some other issues there, but that's fine. Cool, man. Yeah. Do you? I don't. I don't know how much more time we have on this podcast. Probably not a lot. Uh, I do. But I was curious, and you don't have to answer this if you want to. But I'm someone that has so this this last week has been especially rough with this kind of depression, anxiety mixture that I've got going. The drinking definitely doesn't help, but it's also like some days I just get so pent up. This is just a reality of life where you're like. Man, like it would just be great to have a beer and have a remembrance of what a normal Sunday feels like for most people who aren't on edge all the time. But I was curious. I've had multiple people in my family, multiple friends who've had life-changing experiences, cancer being one of them. I'm sure you've got some stuff going on too, Joe. Um, <laughs> but does it... <laughs> Thanks does for including it, me, guys. <laughs> does, it, does, it, uh, does it inform your perspective 
Like when you make it through something like that, I have friends that just like nothing bothers them anymore because they've been that close. Um, or are you one of the, well, are you one of these guys that's like skin cancer and you're playing it up because no, like no, most I, people come I, back? I've I've coded like yeah. so like I was well, in me hospital too. Like and, HTML Java. No 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 like <laughs> I'm kidding. I know, where I know people where rush in because <laughs> you're. I know what you mean. Like, uh, there's so I've much dated that just happened there. Once. Skin cancer and you're playing it up. Huh. Um, I have a friend. Dude, that's the worst. My I have a comic friend named Shauna, and she's like had uh, skin cancer. She opens for me all the time, and something she's honestly should be headlining. She had a skin cancer thing taken out of her leg, so she tells me this right before I introduce her. So I go up there. I'm like, hey, guys, cancer survivor, Shauna Blake. And she comes off. She's like, it was a mole, okay? They thought it was dangerous. <laughs> I took it out of my shin. And I'm, I'm like, listen, you literally stole Valor up there. You're right. up there just... Stolen Valor. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's funny. Yes, I, I think it absolutely changes your perspective. Like, h- how could it not? You right. know what I mean? So I think it's either that and I'm getting older or I'm just getting older and I care so much less about getting mad about yeah. things. Like it takes a lot for me to get angry now. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I was always like, I'm freaking mad. I'm pissed off. Right. I love grunge. Well, I did, but like, it was just the, what you listen to. Yeah. The, the married dating, anything? Uh, married, divorced. Okay. Yeah. Just trying to, just trying to figure out dating again, which is not easy. It's not, man. Especially like once you're in your forties and you have kids. You should open with the cancer thing. They'll yeah, trust. Yeah. They'll automatically be like, "This guy's legit." Just be like, <laughs> "So I, I need to tell you something." That's crazy, though. I, I respect that a lot. No, I appreciate it, but like, like just, I didn't do anything. I was, I was a grumpy ass, jerk off patient. I was. I was mean to everybody. Be? Yeah, but you're 18, you know. Well, that's true. Who like every every 18 year old is like that. Yeah, yeah, but I was like amplified. I was like every jerk 18 times five. Hang on. Let me get this straight. You feel guilty about having cancer and not being a good patient. Yes, I do. Wow, what a that's nice true story. Guy. Yeah. No, that's a true story. That's I really do. legit, man. Yeah. You, yeah. I don't know. I feel like um, I've, I've seen like family members. They're, yeah, they're pretty upset too. They're yeah. not happy about the situation for <laughs> sure. They're never like, yeah, you know what? Let me do this gracefully. Like, fuck this shit. <laughs> You're poisoning me slowly. Just right. stop. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. I yeah. My grandma was like when she was going through it, like her biggest thing, like she loved eating these little banana chips, mm-hmm. and so they wouldn't give them to her because like it's unhealthy. And at a certain point, I told her like don't eat them. And she's like, who the fuck are you? This is my grand. <laughs> Never cursed at me. I'm her darling grandson. Right. And I was like, so like the look in her eyes. I didn't recognize that person in there. So right. I don't think you're yourself when you're going through that. You know? Yeah, probably. No one can be. It puts it puts a lot of things into perspective about like the shit I'm kind of whining about in my own life. Right. I understand some of it is biochemical, where it's just my brain is like making everything I go through worse. Yeah. And you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but seeing other people's experiences through rough times helps. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Or at and least they- their attitude. If you guys, you know. Yeah. It, 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 uh, and then Lance Armstrong always made me feel like shit too. Right. Because like that was when he was like right at the, you know, like in the cusp of like winning his seven, you know, uh, tour de France titles. And then, then you're like, man, look what that guy did. He, he's a cancer survivor. And then you go, look what that motherfucker did. He ruined people's lives. That really panned out. Fuck that guy for making me feel like a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. No, that's. I don't know what Lance is doing out there. He's selling. Well, wait, we just we talked about what's your what's your your dating life now? Oh, it's uh, it's okay, but I think I've I found it to be empty. Like 
as soon as the breakup happened, I think I, I, I'm one of these guys that becomes a workaholic. Like I triple down. I've probably done more in stand-up in the last nine months, really the last six months, than I did in the last two years. Mm -hmm. In terms of sheer volume, accomplishment, quality of work, like every... like She was holding you back, dude. No, not, no. I don't know. Not necessarily. <laughs> Something like that happens, you immerse yourself in your work. It's, it's more like, what are you putting your attention towards? Mm -hmm. um, and when you have another person in your life, you try to give them that attention. Yeah. And once you no longer have anywhere to go with it, there was a solid three or four months where it just was dead bleak winter. I just moved in um, and we're already not dating and she's like moved to a different city and I'm like, okay, well, it's kind of, maybe it's the like a good thing that we don't see each other in, you know, in this same city all the right. time. Um, but I also think there were downsides to it, which were like, you know, now I want to, I want to tell jokes and that's hard, you know, and that's where I, I come back and circle to that point about the Cleveland comics probably fought so hard for a guy they barely knew. Mm -hmm. And it was like, dude, like, this is probably why a guy like LeBron came back. Cause like, as much as this city doesn't always show it, it has a deep capacity to, to be very, very loving in, think, in ways oh, that yeah. people don't realize. I think that's a Midwestern thing. I really do. Like, Yeah, it's a Midwestern and Southern thing. When you go to the coast, it feels very disconnected. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of when you like, like hit the coast, a lot of people aren't from there, though, too. But, I, think you know, I lived in Bentonville, Arkansas, and it's we get 30 new transplants a day, which doesn't sound like much, but it's a populace of 60,000. So, so practically over... nobody is from there. Yeah. Um, I think culture influences much of that. And I think, you know, there's a lot of rich people. The city that I lived in before this is the richest on earth because the Walton family lives there. <laughs> but the difference was that there was compassion behind the money. Um, I mean, money is an objectively strange thing in the way that it changes people. What I like about Cleveland is that the people that aren't necessarily the richest are somehow its most kind. And... I hope that that transcends up the chain as well, you know. I, I well, yeah. You you meet you meet rich people here yeah. that are nice. No, we're. Sure. I mean, money hasn't changed. Patrick and I. Mm -hmm. This podcast we're, we're pretty. It. Yeah, this actually isn't. You guys home. just loaded. I bought this home this just to do the podcast. I used a hundred dollar bill earlier just to wipe my ass. Yeah, I've yeah. actually seen yeah. those before. They're mm -hmm. they're plentiful. Just a ton of hundreds. <laughs> yeah, what, I just Canadian. I, yeah, and I only need them, so I yeah, just keep. I don't. Like, I, just, in a yeah, pile. I said Canadian like that was still not like seventy five dollars. I don't know, man. I I like I like this place, but dating dating wise, I kind of, I've kind of put a halt to it. Almost. If you're single oh, in February, shit, a, boy, do we have an opportunity for you? Why? And I think we can even turn this into a competition oh, no. with you and you Brian. Found, you found an Indian woman, haven't you? No. There's, you guys oh. are doing that that fucking goldfish thing. We're like, oh, these two cards look the same. Let's put them together. <laughs> Oh, Honestly, actually, I'm open to it. Just find me no, no, one no. of these Cleveland so, Clinic doctors making 200 Gs a year. It's yeah. too busy to give her, give me her time, yeah. and we'll be fine. Because I'll be out on the road right. telling jokes for peanuts, and she'll be saving cancer patients with podcasts. I mean, <laughs> that's not where we were going with this, but this is weird because I actually did meet an Indian woman yesterday. Uh, you love her, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so... What's she like? What's her name? What's her sign? Hida. Oh, no. <laughs> that's the extent oh, of what no. i is really it know Hita? like h-e-e-t-a h-e-t-a i believe that doesn't even sound like an indian name that's probably short for something hedonistic 
Did she say she was Indian, or are you assuming she was Indian? And, and I'm being serious. No, no, she said. Okay. Shit, maybe I'm assuming. Okay. <laughs> so you she know didn't what? say. It's probably not going to work out. <laughs> but so we th- we actually do have an idea here, and I think this could actually be funny because we could turn this into a competition Don't between put me you up. and Brian. Brian Fox. Brian Fox all the time. <laughs> Well, I just texted him. I think he's during... so bad at comedy. He's just, just like trying to figure out the quickest. I, I texted him during this did you podcast. Hear, did you hear him? He was like, "Oh, I'm so on his uh, on your podcast." He's like, "Yeah, yeah. Uh, I try to be edgy sometimes." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sounds like Brian an American Fox. Frenchman with that grunt in his voice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right? So, so he said that bullshit, and I've seen him on stage. He starts off, and he notices some young lady in the audience, pervert. Just jumps, <laughs> jumps right from you know like he'll go straight from like uh, yeah like a coat hanger right abortion joke and then you'll see her and you'll be like so we should talk about Young Thug do you guys like mumble rap because Young Thug is like oh no and that means he's sad and that's like his definition <laughs> don't put me up against that guy he will compromise every principle in his body to well, get some fucks under his well, hear, hear it out though hear it out so if you are still single come February we're putting on a speed dating event oh god. And uh, I think do it can, in the wintertime. Do it before February. Do it for cuffing season. We want to do it right before. Uh, for what season? Right be- cuffing season. Cuffing se- uh, This it's like a fuck. Now I sound like Brian. It's like this a millennial Twitter thing. It's a, <laughs> it, cuffing season. Essentially, it's like when it's about to get real cold. Uh-huh. You want someone to lie in bed and watch Netflix movies and sweatpants that you don't have to go out to the bars and try to find anyone. You just okay. get fat, like like that has a name. Wal- like walruses. Just you just want to lie there. <laughs> Just flubber and blubber. Yeah. <laughs> Cuffing season. That's what it's called. I didn't know that, that was what it was called. I, don't know I, why it's I just called, called it sitting inside being lazy. Yeah. It's essentially... Uh, I called it Saturday. I'm try- I'm, you know what I'm also trying... I'm not trying to have flings and shit. It's just not... I don't know. No, no. That this is be a fling. I'm a fucking be, yeah. monk at this point, bro. <laughs> yeah, bald head, Well, then, well then maybe a fling wouldn't be all that bad. <laughs> Eastern. He came in in a brown robe, mm-hmm. white belt, rope. <laughs> he bowed. On. Yeah. India jo- Indiana Jones was playing. Yeah. That was non-intentional. I just really... <laughs> I just really like, like that movie. <laughs> I just realized that it takes place we in should Yeah, we should have done Last Crusade. Yeah. Damn it, sorry. See, you fucked that up. Well, anyway, yeah. that would be good. I, I would like to see you and Brian go head to head. I think you'd be surprised. Uh, what? about Well, Patrick's done speed dating before. Mm-hmm. He met two very nice people that came on the podcast and did a podcast with mm-hmm. us. And how's that going? It's the most listened to podcast yeah, we have. that we've ever had. But that's because there's a morbid curiosity around fighting loneliness. Like, if you title this podcast correctly, just be like, we talked to a former terrorist. It'll get a million (laughs) likes. Like, people will be like, oh, man. Unpacking ISIS. They they flipped this guy. ISIS interview. Literally, make that the title. Like, uh, conversation with a former terrorist. And people will listen to it galore and be like, this had nothing to do with terrorism. But, all right, I'd stayed. I just oh, want yeah. to know what You're happened. Like 90 minutes in, like, when are they going to get to the right. terror? And at the end, like, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> well, the podcast ends abruptly. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, I'll do your speed dating event if I'm still single. The hope is, but Brian is stiff competition, man. Look, I, I got to be honest. Time. I don't think he's going to do well. I think you'll do better than Brian. No. Yeah. Dude, Brian. This isn't, this isn't being on stage. It, it, yeah, it also, yeah, exactly. That's the other Dude, thing. Dude, you're. I've seen Brian in action at bars. He has Kevin Malone's personality and intelligence and Ashton Kutcher's body. Like, he has the... <laughs> He has that. I did not get an Ashton Kutcher bod by him. You don't no. get that from his goofy dancing around bullshit comedy. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love Brian. I do. And I think he would thrash me. He's a more likable person than I am. I'm, I don't oh. think I'm a likable person. I think I'm like funny and I can do like certain things in that arena. 
but Brian is like, he's a guy you'd want to like be like, hey man, let's like play Monopoly tonight. Like that's the guy. Mm. With me, you'd want to be like, how's Tesla stock doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's figure out. Let's reevaluate my strategic investments in my 401k. Am I too heavy on solar? That Look, sounds boring. Yeah, exactly. But that's what I bring to the but table. But you only got six minutes. Six minutes per person. I, to what, I, speed I, date? Yeah. yeah. I think you would do fine. Well, if it's a six-minute set, Brian's going to waffle for four and tell one punchline and then do, <laughs> do a, ha, housekeeping four. announcement. The bathrooms are back there, but uh, they're, they're throwing me off, right? <laughs> um, it's, it must be so odd for the regular listeners, or at least for the new people that don't know who Brian Sternick is. You should probably tell them right at the top, listen to the last episode first to make this one make sense. You know it's, what? We, will, we should do that. We actually. should. And actually, a lot of people have been listening to Brian's episode. It was good. It was a lot of fun. Brian, I'm not. Was, I'm not surprised people. Brian was anything very to easy say. to talk to. He was a lot of fun. I mean, he came in right away. Just yeah, I mean, that's you know, usually he what just, happens with comics he just has that a don't have a lot going that just, on. <laughs> you know, he's just got an empty calendar. So um, November eighth uh, is yes the this, guiltless yeah the, the guiltless um, show guiltless comedy night and um, you'll be there. Here's a, here's a, have you seen the lineup? I, I have. It's like seven or eight incredibly yeah. good comics yeah. and Brian. So, <laughs> I love you, buddy. I know. I'm just fucking around. So, um, tickets, uh, we're almost sold out. That's not a marketing thing. We legit are almost sold out. So, if you have somebody you want to be there, someone special, an ex-someone special, so we can rub her face in it, Maybe. Who, wait, are you talking to me? Yes. Oh, I'm no. looking you in the eyes. I don't think that's going to work. No, I just, uh, <laughs> what I would say is if you guys sell this one out, would you add a second? We will do, we will do more. But I'm saying like same night or next night. Because uh, you no. could potentially. Oh, add a second. Uh, it'd be tough because right now the, the, the place we do it at, well, like, we had to book it so far in advance because they do specialize in events. And we wanted to do it on a week and night because we knew we could get more yeah. people there. Um, it's something we can think about. I think if this goes, you could well, do an I early late show and flip them. We could like just turn the room. Yeah, you might have to. What time is your show now? Eight. Yeah, uh, starts at well seven. Get there at seven. Yeah. Probably okay. So if you start your show at seven and you're done by eight thirty, you can start your next show at nine and be done by ten thirty. You would we just could, have to well, flip. We'd the have room. to talk to them because right, bro. Right now, it's based on Christy. The the Christy Christy's freak. If yeah, Christy's listening, she's freaking out yeah, right she's now. She's in a brown paper bag. Christy, <laughs> she's the event planner. <laughs> she's like, guys, don't fucking commit to anything. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't talk to him about this yet. <laughs> At the very least, this goes well, and I think it will because the the venue is kind of the we thought would be the hardest thing to get. Yeah, we thought the comedians would be the hardest thing to get, but John knocked that out in like three days. You got we're like we need solid comedians. We're like we're trying to get like maybe four comedians. He texts us the next day. He's like, I got seven. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit. All right, that was easy. But I think uh, the the good thing about these the, these people at the Bottle House is that uh, this goes well. We'll do more events there. Right. Hundred percent. We'll do more events. There. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah well, thank, we are. Thank too. you guys for having me. Thanks oh, for course. being a part of it. Show yeah. And, yeah. and on your podcast too. This is awesome. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. So all right. I don't, is that it? That's it. All right. Uh, definitely listen to. Uh, Brian's episode before this. We may have to call this episode Brian Sternick versus part two. <laughs> no, you wouldn't put his name first. <laughs> no, just versus. It would just, it would just be Raj. I don't know. I would, just, I would put my name first because you'll get Raj more traffic featuring off of that Brian? than Brian. Uh, we'll figure it out. I don't know. Just call it the better bald, ma- better bald former terrorist <laughs> says nice to cancer, quote unquote. <laughs> that's, that's what you would say. That's not bad. Nice. The better bad... 
the better bad terrorist comedian. Ball forming terrorist. The better bad ISIS comedian. Says cancer is nice. I don't know. Make it controversial and clickbaity. Clickbaity. Yeah. That's how you achieve the peak of journalism with everything related to comedy. Just like those kids at Vice. Ah, fuck. You got to come on again. We got to talk about that. I just want to talk about stuff like that. I know we... Because we... I didn't uh, want to lean too much into it because I heard no, Brian's no, no, no. episode and he was trying to pretend to be, you know, fucking James Lipton, a comedy over there. <laughs> <laughs> saying, oh, here's my opinion. It's impossible. He's come up. He came up more in this episode than in the episode he was on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, yeah. You know what? It feels like I'm gaming him for promotion at this point. <laughs> no, he owes you, if anything. He already texted me back. What did he say? What did you text him? What did he say? I well, so we because we we texted him when Joey was on. Mm-hmm. We texted him again because Joey took a couple digs too. So we texted him like, "Hey man, Joey's taking some shots." We went back and forth, and then I just texted him again. We can't stop talking about you on our podcast. Yeah, he's like, "Tell Raj I'll headline instead of him." <laughs> wow. That was his only response. Yeah, I'm not even sure well, we he's told probably him that- he's he's probably going to say that in response to the show that he runs above a pizza shop. So, <laughs> you know, I I I get it. Uh, the question is, does well, I would ask him, do you know that a headliner has to do 45 minutes that, at minimum? Because contractually, that's usually how long it is, Brian. I've yeah. seen your four and a half, but this is 10 times longer. <laughs> this is like saying, you know, Usain Bolt should run the, the Boston Marathon. It's he, not a good mix. All he wants to know, no, you're right. His ego feels great yeah. that we're talking All he about wants to know is just how much and specifically we talked about him. That's oh, all, on, on that's the all he he wants t- he's texting both of you. Yeah, yeah. 40%. I was, he when I texted him earlier today and I said do my podcast. He said I'm at work. I'm very busy. Oh, <laughs> so whoa, that's you know Brian's a busy guy. Doing yeah. what does he do? Taxidermy or some shit? Uh, I know he's dealing with death. On does he? Where he works at? He a, works like where they're close. It's parallel. He works in an old age home, doesn't he? Does no, he? I think they were mentally handicapped. Met- See now there? I feel like it. That, no, if that's true, now I feel no. Like I think it is nice. Nice. Damn it. I had it. I had it right up until the last yeah. second. All right. Uh, get what's coming tonight. Come see Raj, our headliner. Funny dude. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Love you, man.